My name is Andrew Cleary, and you are listening to the F1 Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Season 3, Episode 28 of the F1 Podcast. This is Andrew Cleary. Uh, fortunately, John and Erica couldn't make it today with regards to our recording, so it's just going to be me doing a solo effort today discussing the United States Grand Prix that happened over this past weekend, as well as a little bit of a potential update with regards to the Mexico Grand Prix. Uh, first and foremost, John and Erica sent the regrets that they couldn't make it this week, uh, so I will try to do my best to keep this short, sweet, and entertaining, similar to how the United States Grand Prix was this weekend. So first and foremost... Uh, a lot of fun content going in, a lot of celebrities, you know, a lot of cool liveries this weekend going into the United States Grand Prix where we had uh, Red Bull have their own livery design that was dedicated by fan work um, and selected by Red Bull with the stars and the stripes. I thought that was a pretty unique liv livery this weekend. Haas had their own livery too, uh, which was great to see, you know, incorporating that U.S. theme. And then as well as uh, Williams incorporating the, the U.S. theme as well within their uh, livery to represent for Logan Sargent. So I thought a uh, really cool running of those liveries this week. I can't ex excited to really see what Las Vegas is going to bring, especially under the lights on the strip um, for team liveries. It's going to look epic, but nevertheless, we were at Coda this past weekend, uh, another sprint format. And uh, if I do say so myself, I'm getting a little tired of the new sprint format already because it really sucks. But that's for an opinion on another day. We'll continue on with what happened on Friday. So Friday held with qualification. And Q1 was terrible for my Aston Martin team. Both Fernando and Lance got knocked out of Q1. And, um, you know, as an Aston Martin fan, when you hear the word upgrade, you can only really think downgrade. You lose. Because now from, you know, I think this is like the second or third time I mentioned in the last podcast, second or third time this year where we bring these quote unquote upgrades to the track and yet our performance worsens. Uh, I know at the beginning of this season, we were kind of predicting that we would have a hot start and then taper off. Well, we really freaking tapered off. We are down to the dumps, baby, and it's painful to watch. And we really could be in a better position of Lance, you know, took on a better role at the beginning of the season. But that is here nor there. Uh, you know, both acids knocked out of Q1, both Williams knocked out of Q1, P20 for Logan Sargent again in his return to America. Man, that was a tough start to the weekend for him. Luckily, it got better due to some technicalities. We'll talk about that later. Um, but nevertheless, Ferrari securing pole, Charles Leclerc, good for him uh, in Q3 with a 1.3, with a minute 34.273 time, uh, setting that about a tenth ahead of Lando Norris. And another about 14 hundredths ahead of Hamilton. So not having both Red Bulls in the first even, you know, two rows was quite interesting to see uh, at the Circuit of the Americas, considering I think it would be, you know, it suits their car really well. A lot of fast, you know, some fast corners, as well as a major fast straight down the end. But uh, nevertheless, Max finishing P, starting the race P6 and Sergio starting P9. Especially when reports we have that, you know, Checo needs to like secure in order to secure a seat for next season. He's got to finish P2 in the championship. You don't like seeing how Sergio starts P9 where Hamilton's kind of near the front. Oh, add that added pressure to it. But, you know, who even knows if, you know, side note tangent that even if Checo finishes P2 in the championship this year, will Hamilton really keep his word in terms of keeping that seat to him? Or is he just going to give it off to Danny Rick? 
uh, in that regards and play a little Red Bull politics. That Friday session only had one free practice with England to a qualifying because then on Saturday we get to do our own little mini race. Just any way for the FIA to make or F1 to make a little bit of additional money um, through the sprint format. So we had the sprint shootout qualification where we saw Max Verstappen finishing, you know, in this traditional P1 pole position starting spot uh, with Charles being up there in P2 and Hamilton being P3 and Leno being P4. So really a fast weekend for both McLaren and Mercedes, which was great to see Ferrari kind of falling on the backside by the end of the weekend. Uh, but clearly the fastest car on track would been uh, would be Red Bull in that case. So nevertheless, we get to the sprint race. And uh, let's just say Max won it pretty comfortably, beat Hamilton by eight seconds and you're, or nine seconds. And you're thinking to yourself, oh boy, good thing he's starting P6 on Sunday because otherwise it would be another just dull race. Uh, all things considered, how he just, you know, pretty much dominated the field in the sprint race over 19 laps, 31 minutes in, which is pretty great to see. Uh, Hamilton finishing P2 and Charleston finishing P3. Which, you know, they were again, they were rapid all weekend, which made you think. I wonder, you know, there was some testing going on after the Sunday race that you made you think, why were they that fast? But uh, nevertheless, we had, uh, you know, the top eight point scores were P1 for Max, P2 for Lewis, P3, Charles, P4, Lando, P5, Checo, uh, P6, Carlos Sainz, uh, P7, Gasly, and P8, Russell. Great to see Alpine back in the points, uh, scoring some points on the first weekend after announcing uh, the uh, kind of the new investments from, I want to say, the, a, the A-list athlete group. Uh, that uh, joined Otro Capital, which was great to see. If you haven't checked, if you haven't checked out uh, our reel on Instagram or our, on our TikTok, we do a brief kind of thirty, you know, maybe sixty second review of who invested in Alpine and what that could mean for the future of that team. Uh, but nevertheless, it was great to see, you know, Alex finishing P nine, so close uh, to getting to that uh, point finish in the sprint. But sprint was kind of I found like um, even though the race. Track limits weren't kind of a thing, or we didn't really know at the start, right? That turn, that turn one is so t- like interesting how it just widens out where you could kind of put four cars up the hill, and then it tightens into like say two, three wide, um, going down into those S curves, uh, where uh, you know people were kind of taking each over on tra- outside of the track and whatnot. But FI FI stewards weren't really doing anything to make calls on it. So it's kind of like, okay, what was track limits and what was not track limits in terms of consistency there. Um, but we did have Russell gain an advantage around the track. I forget who it was on, but when he finished seventh, he did receive a five-second penalty that did put him back into eighth, uh, which luckily he skated, he skated by his game of teeth because with the penalty applied album was only three tenths behind him. So uh, it was interesting. And then Joe finishing 16th, he left the track, got an advantage, and he got a five-second penalty. It's kind of like that meme where you see the water pole goalie pouring water on his face. Yeah, it didn't really matter. Anyways, race day on Sunday. Uh, John and I had the absolute pleasure of hosting a F1 podcast watch party at Trinity Common in Toronto. I uh, just want to say thank you again to Trinity Common. They are always an amazing host. And honestly, one of the best atmospheres to watch a race live. You know, everybody in there is so invested in Formula One in terms of the fandom. Uh, you know, you have the amazing owners, amazing bar staff, amazing food and drinks. You really cannot go wrong 
you know, cannot go wrong watching a race at Trinity Common. I really recommend anyone in the Toronto area, head on to Kensington Market on race day, get your ass in a seat, call ahead, book a table, get some friends to go down because it is an awesome place to watch the race. So starting in P1, you know, starting on sun, on Sunday, you're thinking, okay, can Max really pull it from P6 all the way to P1? Or is it, if it's a matter of when, and also, but, you know, considering how fast Mercedes and McLaren have been all weekend, do you think that there's an opportunity for them to compete? Well, there was a bit of both. And unfortunately, pit tire strategy kind of got in the way of what we could have seen have been an awesome finish slash a non-max win. Off the start, Lando was able to get in from, you know, kind of finish starting P2 is kind of the way to go, I would say here. Um, just because, you you know, you have that opportunity to get off the line pretty fairly quickly. And then you get that inside line in the, uh, you get that inside line into turn one, which then you can really take advantage considering how wide turn one gets out of the outside, how much space you then have on the inside to kind of box yourself out effectively or box out everybody else so that you can kind of gain that, you know, position going into the, you know, going into turn two into the S's. Uh, being in P1. And that's what Lando did. Lando was able to get ahead of Charles at the start. He really got a great jump off the line, in my opinion, and he was able to take over P1 fairly quickly. Max got a great jump off P6, you know, out of P6. He finished his thing, started got after the first lap, he's ending on P5. And then Lewis uh, getting up to P2 pretty fairly quickly. So, uh, you know, was a great race for the most part, you know, this Despite break issues Max was having, having he was able to get through uh, the field fairly quickly in, in that sense, or, you know, what you felt fairly quickly in that sense. But uh just want to say shout out to GP. Really just loving the comedy this weekend. You know, every time Max was in a breaking point, he was just asking him or, you know, questions on the radio, giving him stats. And it got to a point where Max was just flipping out and it was really funny to watch because max just could not hold it every time it would be every time it'd be in the uh, breaking point i almost kind of wonder if christian kind of nudged gp and said do it again do it again you know kind of in a little bit of a meme way or a little bit of a kind of fun way and have some stuff with that and see, watch max get a little squeamish but nevertheless he got through uh, pretty good. Ended up getting into P1. But then there was this kind of contemplation of whether or not you go a two-stop strategy or go one-stop strategy. The two-stop strategy was obviously the way to go. But there were some hopefuls on the one, such as uh, Charles Leclerc, who, you know, jokingly asked Pierre Gasly before the race if uh, he was going to do a one-stop strategy. And Pierre said, no effing chance. So, <laughs> with um, and, uh, and so, but, you know, we had... Lando and Lewis kind of on a one-stop hopeful strategy throughout the race where um, eventually we got to a point where Verstappen was ahead uh, or, or Lando was ahead and he ended up boxing around like lap 35, uh, which, you know, was like, okay, forces then Max to cover Lando. But in the process of covering Lando off, he lets Lewis go ahead. And then Lewis then gained a 12-second advantage off Leclerc, who was in P2. Uh, then throw, So, you know, we're all sitting there at the bar thinking, oh, my God, this might be Lewis's chance. He's been fast all weekend. 
Uh, he showed great race pace throughout the day on Saturday. Translating that into Sunday, we're like, oh my God, we could have a Lewis win, you know, for the first time since uh, Jetta in 2021. It would be quite epic. Uh, you know, being at Coda, you know, he loves America, loves Texas. So would have just been awesome to watch, but he just didn't, he was, uh, he was unhopeful. So he comes in pits lap 39, effectively giving Max back the lead after he took over Charles and everyone's like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me because there was an opportunity um, for Mercedes to get a win. And you almost kind of wonder if they should have just stuck it out for the extra 18 laps. You know, Lewis is such an incredible driver. He has, a, you know, a ton of experience with managing tires, especially at Coda, where you think maybe there's an opportunity um, for him to kind of just wear out the tire life on the hards to see if he could get that P1 and fend off Max. But I guess it wasn't the case where he then put on the mediums and tried to fight his way back through the pack. Unfortunately, could not finish. And he finished a couple seconds behind of Max, who won his 50th race in Formula One or 50th Grand Prix in Formula One. Unbelievable. Joining the likes of Senna, joining the likes of Vettel, you know, Schumacher, Hamilton, all those who've been able to eclipse the 50 win mark. Uh, just really goes to show how much of an incredible driver he is and uh, really being able to, you know, kudos to Red Bull. They worked that two-stop strategy to perfection really at the end of the day. Um, with that win, Max ties his single season record at 15 wins with, uh, he's got three or four races to go and uh, he's going to probably lap his, he might win his, he might finish with 17, 18 wins on this season, which would be insane. He also has 40 wins in his last three, well, two and a half, well, two, two and a lot, you know, almost three seasons, right? So just, he is just on a roll. Adrian Newey has given him an incredible car and um, it's quite awesome to watch. So we had the classification finished up as Lewis, uh, as Max P1, then uh, Lewis P2, followed by Lando and P3. Carlos Sainz P4, Sergio Russell P5. Uh, then we had Charles in P6, Russell P7, Gazi P8, Stroll P9, and then uh, Sunoda P10. But, big, big, big but, after the race, uh, the FIA do their random checks. And uh, through the random checks, they have denoted or they found that Lewis and Charles's plank so on the bottom of the car that basically situates it's kind of like the back like the spine of the car on the bottom sits this plank and um if the plank is torn has been torn to a point where i forget it's like millimeters off what the regulated rank they the regular the regulated um width is yeah you get disqualified so of the four cars that were tested two of them came back um you know to the where the test failed and that being lewis hamilton and charles leclerc so they both were then disqualified for the race which then leads now norris moves into p2 such so, carlos Sainz who moves into p3 who this is his third time now where due to uh you know post-race penalties or post-race disqualifications has moved into a podium position. Let's talk about a lucky guy 
no kidding. And then Chaka was in the P4, which is huge for his quote unquote P2 goal that Helmet has set out. That you know probably won't matter at the end of the day, knowing him. Uh, but nevertheless, he gains 12 additional points on Hamilton, who is who where he was going to be looking to lose about eight. So that's a huge that could be like a 20. That's a, that was a 20 point swing at the end of the day. Uh, George Russell finishing that in P5, Gasly P6, Lance Stroll bringing up the rear in P7. Uh, you know, uh, Alonzo tired on lap 49 because he did have some massive floor damage. Uh, in that regards so really great to see especially when both of them starting from the pit lane because they took some additional engine parts after park Fermi, so they had to start in the pit lane uh to them finish up and you know both of them are going to be finishing the points as you know something positive for Aston martin coming out of the week especially how poorly it started um so it's good to see that there yuki then sonoda finishing p8 the two disqualifications we then had a double points finish for Williams finishing P9 and P10. And as a result, yes, I said double points. And you're thinking, wait, someone on a team has not scored a point this year. And that's the fact. Logan Sargent scores his first ever points in Formula One, albeit on a technicality. But at the end of the day, he probably does not care at all. Scores his first points in America on home soil, uh, finishing P1 or P10, sorry, getting the one point, you know, what could be his final few races in F1. It's just great to see that he was able to get a points finish at the end of the day. Key notable retirements also were that Piastri and Ocon, they both collided around like lap six, uh, where Ocon's front left tire hit Piastri's side pod. And due to the collision damage, I think Ocon got screwed. I think his suspension blew out or with the, with the left tire, so he wasn't able to continue the racing. And then um, just kind of the hole that was caused by the damage in the side pod by Piastri, he just could, you know, you know, just everything was overheating. So he had to retire for the race um, in that regards. So all the controversy set up with regards to the testing. Uh, just want to say, I believe now Charles Leclerc has joined an exclusive club where he's been able to convert pole position into a DNF. A, uh, yeah. I don't know where the DNF was. I, I imagine it was last year sometime. I forget. But then he also turns this into a disqualification. You know, this year, starting on pole at Coda, ended up being disqualified because of the skid block. And then he also had a D, it did not start in Monaco in 2021, where uh, he just destroyed his gearbox while in Q3, uh, set pole, but then wasn't able to start the race. So, I think he's like one of the only, or may if not the only driver to have pole, be able to convert pole positions into all three, uh, this kind of disqualification DF or, you know, non-results. So kudos to Charles Leclerc. Uh, probably something you do not want to be known for. Absolutely something you don't want to be known for, but uh, you know, fun little history, fun little trivia question there for you at the water cooler conversation there tomorrow at work. We talk about these tests, right? And we got a great question from Dana on Instagram. And uh, at first, I really had no clue how to really answer this because I too did not know this myself until you do so, until we did some more digging and uh, kind of figure out an answer. So Dana, the question was, why were the four cars checked for the planks? And if two out of four failed, why was Sciences Ferrari also not expected before being promoted to P3? Still haven't seen explanation of this. Great question, Dana, because we were thinking the exact same thing. If you test four cars for a, a, an issue, like with the plank, and 50% of them fail, you have to think that there are other cars like in a similar situation 
that would have failed the test and would have resulted in a ton of DQs. Because when you think about it, due to this great new this quote unquote great new sprint format that the F the F one has decided to implement, cars only have one chance to get the setup right in FP one, and that asks a lot. Like when you traditionally think of a regular weekend where you have three practice sessions to get the setup right in a car. Um, for you to not be fat, you know, to, to try and maximize everything at every ounce of performance out of the car while meeting the regulations, you know, it's tough to do that within 60 minutes. And I think, you know, with the result of do I say due to that, that's where Lewis and Charles probably fails that they probably weren't able, they were able to maximize now for us to get some good performance out of it. But unfortunately, the, the, the site, like the payoff was the, kind of wear and tear on the plank, which then if you, you know, getting randomly quote unquote tested after the race, you unfortunately get caught, which leads then to a disqualification. So um, the FIA did address the criticism because there was a lot of pushback from not only fans or from, from, you know, people in the sport regarding the legality checks following the disqualifications of both Lewis and Charles. And they released a statement saying that, you know, a series of random checks are carried out every weekend on different cars of the area. This process has been in place for many decades and ensures the compliance with regulations by virtue of the fact that the teams do not know before the race what specific areas of the car might be examined beyond the standard checks carried out on every car each weekend, you know, such as a fuel sample taken from all cars at each Grand Prix. Totally fair. Totally get that because, again, you don't want teams to be figuring out how to cheat and then, you know, maneuvering it in that way. So, yeah, completely fair. But it's kind of ironic or I find it a little fishy when the random planks checked were Max Verstappen, who finished P1, Lando or Lando Norris, who finished P3, you know, Lewis Hamilton, who finished P2. So all three people on the podium got this random plank check of the four of four of the, uh, three of the four or of the 17 in the car that got tested were on the podium. And then Charles Leclerc finished P6. Um, so, you know, not necessarily all the checks get carried out each weekend. Like the U.S. Grand Prix apparently was the first time in five races that any plank inspection had been carried out. Uh, you know, last checks were done in Singapore where Verstappen was checked again. And then Alonso. So really how random is this is this testing? Uh, going forward so and the reason why they now they say they can't do it um, and again if you imagine imagine it's the case but uh, for thorough checks like that if they were to check every week and you know the amount of because the, they'd have to they would have to, the post-race scrutiny of the various aspects would take forever in terms of you know you have to like take down car parts or you would have to it would take hours upon hours and especially when you're traveling, maybe Mexico, you know, Mexico obviously is close, but then you have to, you obviously have to put in practices and standards to meet that alignment so that, um, you know, it's fair across every race. Uh, it's just saying that the deep dives are just, you know, super invasive with regards to that. And the disassembly of significant components within the car could take a while out. And then especially when teams need to get their, you know, logistically get out of the, get out of Coda so that they can tear down and then set up in Mexico for another for a week a race in about five days. Uh, it's tough to do, uh, you know, to have everybody then checked. Um, and that was because the times would be too long. But 
I'm not, I'm not saying that the idea is wrong. I think though the randomized process seemed a little fishy because to really think that the key performance was to showcase that, you know, McLaren and Mercedes were fast all weekend. So they do this random plank check, maybe to think that, okay, you know, they were able to gain some performance with kind of the shaving down of that plank. I don't know how randomized it is. I would love to hear how they determine what the random process is uh, in that regards, because there are sources that say that Lam that Lewis Hamilton revealed that several sources informed him that other F1 cars had planks that would have been deemed illegal, but weren't tested based on FIA's uh, current standards for testing or random testing in that regard. So yeah, maybe it's like one, either one of those freak accidents, or do we then have, does the FIA then have to say, okay, um, you know, they have to be more transparent about how this randomized process goes, because, you know, for me as a fan, it's kind of fishy when the four, again, the four, three of the four finished on the podium, right? Well, you're not even checking, like, say, a Danny Rick car, but I guess maybe because at the end, it, it doesn't matter <laughs> because he didn't finish in the points in that regards, but uh, nevertheless, Dana, great question. Hope I was able to provide some structure behind that answer with regards to it. But yeah, I think there needs to be some better structure implemented in terms of more transparency on how this randomized selection process goes. And um, do you, or then do you take it a step further and kind of uh, structure what tests are going to be completed on each week and are, you know, at what key points in that regards? So that was kind of the review of the U.S. Grand Prix. We are in Mexico this week um, for the you know Mexico City Grand Prix. Should be a lot of fun at the Autodrama Hermanos. Uh, but uh, we have to, you know, just some updates and news with regards to the Mexican Grand Prix. We see that Max Verstappen has been assigned additional security because of, you know, the I think just for his safety with regards to Checo fans and uh, uh, I hope I hope every I hope everybody behaves himself uh, this weekend in Mexico because it is really I don't people as much as say dog the track in terms of what the layout is I do think though the stadium section is one of the most unique components of an F one uh, track considering how they enter like that old baseball stadium and just hear the roars in the crowd and um, considering how dominant red bull have been at mexico and how dominant their car is this week i'm really curious to see what happens or how well they perform and part of me well actually no a lot of me would love to see a, a miracle in the sense of checo winning at home it would be a monumentous win in his career because truthfully i really think he's already got one foot out the door based on what marco what helmet's saying and um, I, I I don't really trust this P2 um, stance that he's got in terms of if he finishes P2, he's going to keep his seat. I, I really don't. I, I'm not I'm not really that trustworthy. But if he can secure a lockable win at his home Grand Prix, to me, that would solidify that. OK, you know, public then percent or public relations would have to kind of state, you know, state that it would look super bad if they cut him. After winning his home Grand Prix in your car, right? You might you would alienate a ton of fans in Mexico. Um, you know, it would look really suspicious, obviously, um, from an overall fan perspective. Um, but yeah, 
I'm really hoping, I'm really, really hoping for a Checo win this weekend. It would be incredible. So that is season three, episode 28 of the F1 podcast. Again, my name is Andrew Clear. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for those who made it all the way to the end, uh, please follow us on Instagram at F1.podcast for all reels and F1 related content. Uh, follow us. We have a TikTok account again, F1.podcast, where we do you know great F1 content there. Uh, and then when you listen, please listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, we'll be back next week for our review of the Mexico City Grand Prix. And again, I hope, I hope, if if if, if, if we could ask for one thing this whole season, it would be for Checo to win his home Grand Prix. So I think that would just be an incredible scene. And I think that'd be just a, a career-defining moment uh, in his legacy. Thanks again, and have a great day.